I think it's starting. Perfect. There we are. So welcome to the, I guess this is the third uh, interview for our Forts Athletics podcast. And I'm really happy uh, that I get the chance to talk to uh, um, Mel Hurl, uh, just graduated, I guess a couple years ago, right? From uh, uh, two years from Shattering. Shattering. Okay. So I was, I'm glad you said that because I've been trying to figure out how to pronounce the college that I can't. There's so, a million different ways to skin that cat, I tell you sure. what. <laughs> So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in throwing? Uh, so actually, I didn't start throwing until like towards the end of my junior year of high school. I was throwing feed at a feed store, and uh, my my coach, my high school coach, came in to get feed for a horse, and I just mm -hmm. threw a couple bags over my shoulder, walked out, put them in her pickup, and her and her husband are kind of looking at each other, and they kept like coming in throughout the day, and I was like, well, how much feed do these people need? You know, <laughs> and then finally, her husband kind of got up the nerve to say something to me, and then. Uh, I wasn't really too interested. You know, I ran, I ran cross country, I played soccer. I wasn't really athletic, I guess you could say. Um, sure. I was just a country kid. I was used to working, lifting stuff, you know, I didn't think about putting numbers behind it or anything. And then I just kind of started with a track team, kind of testing the waters. And then about, you know, then in my first year, I won a state championship and then kind of fell in love with it. And, you know, I threw like, 38, 38.6, I think my freshman year as a, or my junior year as a shot putter. And it was like 115 in disc or something like that. And then I ended high school with a 145 and almost 43. So from there, I kind of went to Shadron. I uh, started at Shadron under an awesome throws coach named Jess Horsley. She's at CSU Pueblo now. Uh, so I was with her for a few years. And then we had kind of a coaching staff change up. Our head coach went to be the assistant coach at CSU, uh, Colorado State. So kind of a lot of coaching changes there. Um, and then my true senior year, I decided to uh, redshirt. My junior year, I kind of finally started to figure stuff out. Um, my sophomore year, I actually dropped out of college for a semester. So went the whole first semester without any training, came back, still qualified for nationals. Um, and that kind of lit a fire under me. Uh, came back under a new coach uh, who was very, very well versed in the weight room. I think that was kind of a missing piece. I mean, Shadron just at the time had a really janky weight room. We lifted on the second floor and you know, only three people could really lift heavy because we only had two platforms and barely any any uh, bumper plates. And so, like, football had to go in, like, seven groups. I don't even know how that college made it so long with a weight room like that. But luckily, we've got a phenomenal facility, which I later on had the opportunity to work in. Um, so, yeah, so I kind of lit the fire under me, got my lifts up, got my technique down a little bit more. Kind of, I was just kind of, I went through puberty really late. I was just a really long human, and so I didn't know what the heck my body was doing. So by the time I was about 22, I figured it out. Uh, and that's when I kind of decided that I needed to take that redshirt year. Uh, and it kind of worked because I finished with my undergraduate in uh, 2015. And so it just kind of made sense to stretch out for two years to you know, help pay for my master's. So it kind of worked. My coaches agreed that it worked. Um, by the end of that redshirt year, uh, that was my first time going to USA's uh, in the weight throw. I hit 50 feet in the shot put. And then walking into my senior year, um, I just kind of... I was ready for it. I was ready to go in and just uh, make a name for myself. And it was it was kind of a crazy year. I got into a really bad car wreck right before the year started, uh, totaled my car and was kind of benched for about six weeks. And then I got back in it and just, you know, my strength staff and everybody around me really helped kind of propel me into my senior year, which obviously turned out, you know, it's the highlight of my whole career. So it was awesome. So that was kind of the, the synopsis there. So that's a huge synopsis. So, I kind of, <laughs> so if you don't mind, I kind of want to take it back. So you, so you played soccer and, and ran cross country in high school. Yeah. <laughs> you were a uh, 40 foot shot putter, 100, 140 foot discus thrower. 
So when did you realize, hey, maybe I kind of have a knack for this. Maybe I should try and throw it to college level. Like, were, were you like, because you're, you're in, you went to school in Colorado, right? You're from Colorado? Yep, I'm from Eaton. Okay. Yep. So, so uh, when did you like realize or when did somebody first contact you and like, hey, by the way, 140 feet's really good. Maybe you want to try in college. Like, it how, was, you know. <laughs> that's actually a really funny story. So I wasn't really going to go to college. I was just going to go the military route from military family. Um, and then, but my, my high school coach was really kind of pushing me to keep throwing. Uh, she thought that I had something there and uh, she's actually phenomenal. I actually currently live with them. So <laughs> they obviously are very big uh, influences in my life. They, um, yeah, so I, I sent my questionnaire into Shadron and they actually deleted it because they were like, no, we don't need this person, whatever. And uh, but my coach, my high school coach actually went to Shadron State. And so she called up the head coach and was like, like, hey, why aren't you recruiting her? I don't understand like what's going on here. And he was like, he's like, oh, her marks, like, they're okay. You know, at this point, like, this is my senior year before I, I hit my bigger numbers. And it's like, yeah, she's okay. He's like, but we just don't have money for, like, a subpar shot putter in Discus Thor, you know. And, she, and Mandy was like, no, I think I think this girl you need to give a look at. And then uh, going into my senior year, that was uh, in high school, they they definitely took a lot of a look, talk more looks at me that year. Um they were at my state meet, you know, they kind of upped my scholarship here and there so I could make it feasible to go up there. And I just decided Shadron's really affordable. It's a small town, which I'm used to. Obviously, Eaton's an incredibly tiny little town, or was at the time. Uh, you know, it just kind of made sense. I was like, you know, whatever. It's a pre-education. May as well pursue it. So I was like, what am I? What do I have to lose? You know, I mean, I'm not going to lose any money. I may as well just kind of pursue it. And I went there, and that's when uh, my, my head coach, Ryan Bailey, uh, my throws coach, Jess Horsley, and the whole staff really was just – so behind me and this every time I was down they were constantly behind me reminding me of the process and uh and I just developed these really intense and lifelong relationships with these people that I'm very grateful for but uh yeah they were definitely the first three that really kind of put me on that course and kept pushing me so so what was that so what was the transition from high school to college like so if you're like it was you do you have like a big graduating class in high school and then all of a sudden you step foot on campus you're like whoa like this is kind of not what I expected or like how was that transition in the you know your first semester of school I can tell you that I graduated in three years because my first semester I wasn't very smart I just kind of you know I didn't I didn't have any rules I was like on my own and I just kind of just you know I wasn't doing anything crazy and I got like a 3.2 that semester and I was like okay I'm not saying this is bad but this is not like quality of work that I know I'm capable of and that just kind of was like the turning point for me I was like okay I gotta get serious and you know I was, I was doing the right things in track but I just I wasn't staying focused I wasn't sleeping I wasn't recovering well um, I had some issues with insomnia and that kind of overflowed uh, so I met with my advisor he helped me kind of switch over to partially online so that I wasn't having super early morning classes so that I could kind of get my insomnia under control uh, and then luckily it's shot into small enough where I had the same three or four teachers through my entire the entire duration of my uh, both all my degrees so uh, that was really handy um, um, and they just kind of put me on the right path and kind of pushed me forward in that respect. So that, that, that first semester, definitely, I learned a lot about myself, uh, kind of moving forward. It was, uh, definitely a defining point in my career as an athlete and an academic student. So, so, so then you fast forward to your senior year. So you literally like blow up division two, right? Yeah. You, so you, yeah. uh, well, why don't you tell us a little bit about your indoor season? I don't want to, you know, you could talk yeah. a little bit more yeah. about it. So. That was a crazy year. I think, um, you know, it was exciting because uh, we. I kind of came back in that fall where just we're training our buns off and, you know, I'm training – 
three, four, five hours a day. I'm getting drills in on my own. Um, you know, I was at the time I was the assistant strength and conditioning coach. So I ate, slept, breathed Shadron State. I was constantly, you know, I was on campus at 5 a.m., 5, 5.15 every morning. Uh, you know, I didn't leave until 7 or 8 at night. And then I'd go to my other job. You know, it's just like I was all over the place. Uh, but, yeah, we kind of going into it kind of new. Like the first day of weight practice, we were like, okay, like this, this could be something. And sure. I was just I was more explosive over the summer. I had lost about 30 pounds uh, and I had put, you know, 40, 50 pounds on my squat. I uh, put, you know, 30, 40 pounds on my bench. Like I just, everything was just going up. My body mass went down. I got explosive. I got athletic. Um, again, I kind of started to really feel what my body was doing. I was way more aware of what things were doing and why they were doing them. Um, and it was kind of the point where I'd walk out of the ring and I just point at something and my coach would just nod, you know, it just, there was very little, uh, communication verbally. We just kind of had that, um, that understanding of what was going on. Um, and yeah, so then we had our inner squad and I think I threw like a I got high 20 and that's when we kind of knew we're like okay this could be good and then I opened at a 2136 and then the following week we maxed and then I was I got insanely sick they put me in my own hotel room and everything because I was coughing so hard uh, and then that when I threw my 2189 uh, which led all divisions for for about six weeks when I threw that one I actually threw in a flight by myself because the facilities couldn't hold me so they had like their batting cages up by the ceiling and I was throwing at such an arch that it would land in the net and it like ripped it down like it was it ripped part of the ceiling so the next morning I get a call at like midnight like hey do you want to throw it like 8 a.m tomorrow and I was like uh yeah obviously so I get to the track at like you know 6 30 just all juiced and they had lowered the nets and I had to throw over them and dodge the cables so okay. we kind of me in the ring a little bit so that I wouldn't hit those tables and it was an experience you were trying to time it too because I just we're kind of just going with the fight and one with the facility restrictions and it was crazy but it was cool because everybody was kind of getting there and so the energy was kind of getting hyped up by the time I was like really in it and so that was interesting and that was just kind of like the defining point and then we kind of broke things down uh and we trained through conference uh we we all we borderline trained through nationals because we knew hammer was kind of where we wanted it um and that's when we kind of started breaking things down and kind of train hammer a lot more I just dropped down to a chain literally a, a nine pound chain with no ball on the end so I could feel it which obviously is very different than the weight because your counter is so off so we kind of sacrificed a little bit of the potential I think we could have had in the weight just so that we could kind of pursue the hammer a little bit harder because I opened a week after my indoor uh, indoor nationals I opened five days later uh, for outdoor in all three of my events so it was just kind of we kind of knew we wanted it outdoor. We knew indoor might have been all right. And that was just, that was a crazy year. It was just from one meet to the next. I maxed out my meets. Uh, by the time I got to last chance meets for outdoor, I, I had to sit a couple out because I was, I just, I would go, I was going to meets left and right, just trying to get everything I could in. Uh, I was constantly trying to just, you know, track down competition, chase them, work on my mental game. I read the book Mind Gym, which was a huge game changer. I actually read that on the plane from Denver to Birmingham. And that, completely changed my mindset walking into that meet and you know losing the weight through well, I say losing I got third place I went and ranked second came out third uh, I think that was the fire I needed to kind of push me forward in the shot but I, I was ranked sixth in the shot nobody was really I kind of came out of nowhere I wasn't expecting it I had changed from a rotation to a glide like three and a half weeks prior because we just the rotation was so off we couldn't figure it out and nothing is more disheartening when your coach looks at you and says I don't know how to fix you. You know, you're just like, great. Like we're both now just like 
chickens with their heads cut off. What do we do? And so I was at a meet and a co- I kind of overheard a coach saying, she just needs to go to a glide. And I'm like, okay. So sixth throw, I go out there and, and hit a glide and it was further than anything I'd hit that season. And so that was a very frustrating season. Then we kind of figured it out as we got towards the end of outdoor. I was hitting that 1692 uh, towards the end of outdoor. So I do kind of wonder where I would have been if I'd been able to kind of stick with one or the other, but I bobbled back and forth so much through college that and it wasn't really my love. It wasn't my passion. Discus was definitely my passion. So again, we just kind of had to sacrifice in some areas so that we could build in others. And that's just the name of the game in division two, because they want to capitalize on you wherever they can. So you know, walking into a conference meet, trying to win 30 points. I mean, you know, that was a lot of times that was a third of the conference points, but that was enough to put our, our, our name on the board. So so what? So tell. So you mentioned like making sacrifices. So is that like a conversation you sit down with your coach and you're like, okay, like we're gonna throw all three events today. We'll see what happens. We'll let it ride. Or like how? Like how does that conversation happen? Like from from your perspective, because you're a high level athlete. I mean, you, I, I think you you threw 50 feet in the shot put, 50 in the 50 meters in the discus, well over 50 in the hammer. I mean, that's like an elite. You know, you're in a in a group by yourself. So like when you sit down and you're like, okay maybe we won't focus on the shot this week. We'll just focus on the discus or we'll, we'll put the hammer on the back burner and focus on shot. Like how, how does that conversation happen with your coach? You know, I think um, it was kind of an unspoken thing that happened pretty often. We, we just kind of, whatever was looking best that week, we just kind of, uh, aimed for that. And we, we really just shot for consistency. You know, when, when I came out of weight throw with the 21, uh, my only goal was to just, just go through the season with 21s. Uh, and I hit 21s at, every single meet other than USA's. Um, but again, we were, we were just training through that. We had just maxed that week before training for obviously for nationals, uh, really was just trying to get a look at the the competition, just kind of mentally prepare for, for nationals. So that was my goal there shot put. I just was, I really was just happy to get on the board. It was, I guess it's not really my true love. I really struggled with it. I had a, a pretty significant hand injury, uh, my junior year, couldn't touch a shot put for, you know, five, six months after that. So it just, it wasn't really something that brought me a lot of joy, but that was one thing where if I was over 15, I felt pretty good about uh discus uh, once i hit my 57 in discus we really just kind of wanted to stick around 54 to 56 um and and training wise that's where it's it kind of stuck but that was that's a hard one too because you have so many different variables going to meets with wind and travel and and all that stuff uh and then hammer uh, we really just wanted to stay over 60 you know i hit my 65 at nationals uh, luckily so obviously we, we built up to it properly um but yeah, just kind of staying over 60 was the goal. So once I hit uh, that 60 mark, we just wanted to maintain that as long as we could just kind of keep it in that that range because we knew that uh, really a 63, 64 was going to be competitive for that national championship at nationals. So that was that was the goal. So tell us, so tell us a little bit more about um, so your accolades in college. So an All-American, like stuff like that. So for the people who don't know, you know, or don't nerd out on the throwing and like, and the the things like that. So why don't you give a little bit, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So my first All-American was in the discus, uh, my junior year, uh, that was back in 2015. Uh, then I got five All-Americans in the throws my senior year, then an academic All-American. Uh, and that was my main goal. I really just wanted to hit an automatic, uh, qualifying mark in all my events. And I did that. Uh, and then I won two national championships, one in the indoor shot put and one in the outdoor hammer throw. So so you won. Uh, when you when did you win your outdoor hammer throw your senior year? Mm-hmm. Yep, in 2017. So, um, so, so talk, so talk yeah. a little bit about that. So you're, I mean, you you throw uh, you know big mark. You know, quali- did it, it qualified for U.S. Outdoor Nationals as well? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, did. I ended up going to, I went to USA's for the discus and the hammer throw. Um, and that again, that was, that was kind of a tough meet. Um, training wise, I, I didn't really have a coach, uh, part of my outdoor season. Um, and then, and then after nationals, I didn't have a coach at all. Um, so I kind of was just kind of reaching out just, you know, I was very fortunate, uh, to have coaches that were just helping me out as much as they could. Um, you know, and being a, a student of the sport, I definitely, I, I was very eager for the opportunity to be able to train myself. Uh, being in the weight room uh, as the assistant strength coach, uh, myself and my head coach, uh, EJ Kreese, took over my strength programming. So that was really cool to be able to kind of see how, what we were doing is correlating to my throwing and back and forth. And we were able to get really in depth with it. Um, but yeah, like walking into Outdoor USA's, uh, I felt very underprepared. Um, you know, I wasn't nervous about the, the level of competition. I was pretty excited. I felt like I deserved to be there. I'd worked my butt off all year. Uh, to get to that point. But, you know, then the day we're leaving and we're driving five hours to Denver, we're sitting on the tarmac for three hours, then we're flying and then we were driving two hours to um, Sacramento. So we get into our hotel room at five in the morning and I have to compete that next night. And so it was just kind of crazy. And that first day just kind of set me back a little. And then that was the, I decided to do a little bit of a technique change up um, in between outdoor nationals and uh, USA's. And that was a significant mistake, uh, but I'm glad I went for it because I walked away from that meet, uh, I walked away from Hammer a little frustrated, but also very uh, optimistic about where it was kind of headed. Um, that's And then, you know, I, I continued to train. Uh, I went out to Fresno State after that and continued to train with April Smith. And we just couldn't decide really where we wanted to drop an event. We just we didn't know what to do. We didn't really specialize me in anything. Um, and so that was kind of another training mistake we made after that. But, you know, after after kind of that senior year, it was hard to really to like hone in on one that I, I felt I had more more talent in. And, you know, the hammer, I two turned in the hammer, which I could three turn, but it wouldn't go as far as a two turn, which made zero sense to me. But uh, that was kind of one thing where like, well, we have the most uh capability in the hammer the most room for growth there but then discus we're throwing 57 meters like you know we're we're five meters under you know hitting a, a standard for the olympics like you know that will come with time and so we just were kind of like what do we do do we train through it you know my training age was so low that we felt that either way we went it was it was just kind of a mess but walking walking into usa's that was i definitely felt uh like i could have done that a little better but it put a lot of things into perspective as well so so for so for somebody who's a two-time national champion at the D2 level, you graduate and then so how do you, how do you decide if you know I'm going to continue throwing like because you graduated in 17, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So 17, so it's 19 now, so it's been two years, right? Yeah. The mm-hmm. are next year, so like it, like was there somebody else? Because I know you talked to, you talked about going to Fresno, but was there somebody else that was like, hey, you know maybe try it for another three years like the trials are coming up let's see what happens like you're still really young right i think you just turned well, i want to 25 i just turned 25 i don't know if i should share how old you are right so you just <laughs> turned 25 so you've been throwing less than eight years yeah totally, and you're you know 50 57 in the discus a few meters under the, the standard for the for the olympics yeah so, so was there anybody that kind of encouraged you or was it just i'm gonna i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna try like what brought you to fresno uh, well, you know, so April Smith, she actually coached my uh, my high school coach for a short period of time. Uh, and she's from an area just outside of Shadron. So I kind of had ties with her. And that was really like the one opportunity that presented itself to me. It kind of made sense to go out there. Um, yeah, I just it, like a few things kind of presented itself. Uh, I was talking to a few different people, was trying to get down to Chula Vista. 
Uh, and then things kind of the coaching change up. There's kind of some political things at the at the training center. Just kind of things got jumbled up. And so I ended up staying in Fresno. Uh, and then, uh, but I did have quite a few other people that were that were really on my side. You know, anytime that I needed to train somewhere, I just I could just call a coach and be like, hey, I'm I'm driving through. I'm coming here. They're like, yeah, absolutely, show up. You know, whatever. Um, you know, Casey Malone at, at Colorado University of Colorado has been a huge mentor to me. Um, you know, Judd, Judd Logan was always really supportive of me. He was probably he was probably more hyped in the hammer throw than I was, which was pretty cool to see when you have you know Judd Logan getting pumped for you to throw. That was pretty. That was very humbling. Um, you know, so so Judd was always very supportive. You know, anytime I would see him at a meet after that, he'd always ask me about my training and you know me as a person. And uh, you know, and then I have uh, you know Brian Bedard at CSU, Colorado State, and uh, he's an awesome guy. I love kind of just getting chummy with him. Uh, just you know, very curious about what I'm doing, uh, making sure that I'm you know pursuing my talents and stuff like that. So I definitely had a lot of people that were in my corner and kind of pushing me. But it's just, I mean, anybody that's tried to be a post collegiate athlete in the a throwing a throwing sport it just they know how hard it could be and just financially it wasn't working for me in California I was I was just kind of I was having a hard time I, I couldn't manage to keep a job and train as much as I wanted I just couldn't seem to find the right balance and and also you know be a, a volunteer assistant for the team it just kind of got overwhelming uh so then I ended up I ended up moving home and just kind of trying to pursue it from there and uh just yeah just kind of waiting for things to fall into place at that point just kind of keep grinding out and one thing Casey Malone always told me is he's like it'd be a real shame if you stop he's like I didn't feel my best throws in my life until I was in my 30s and so that really resonated with me it's he's like he's like Mel discus is a, is a long-term game he's like you're gonna have these you know 60 65 meter discus throwers that you know are really great at that point but they'll dip down but they'll come back up but a lot of them don't wait for them themselves to come back up and give themselves time and that's one thing I think Rachel Dinkoff does a really good thing of acknowledging uh, is that is that dip will come but that means you're working on bigger things and you're getting back to that point where you want to be at to hit those big ones so uh yeah I mean those are those are definitely some mentors in my life that were always in my corner so um so how, so anybody who's thinking about, I mean, you kind of went into some, some really good detail about that. So anybody who's graduating like this year, the trials are next year, right? So it's like 18 months out. Mm -hmm. So what advice would you have for somebody that's, you know, uh, you know, similar, you know, 55 meter discus thrower for female, let's like say maybe like 60 meter thrower for a guy, 65 meter hammer thrower. That's like, mm, you know. I'm on the cusp, like maybe I should keep training for a year, see what happens, or maybe I should just like call it. Like, what would you tell them? You know, I think I learned more about myself as an athlete in the time that I was in Fresno than I would say my entire five years at Shadron State. There were things that were clicking, cues that were being said that were, you know, my other coaches were using that just didn't make sense at the time. And, and April did say a few, especially in discus, April really tuned me up in the discus, uh, and said a few things that just absolutely took my discus to the next level and made it more powerful. It made it just everything was working cohesively for a change. Uh, and I wasn't just muscling it, you know, because it's, it's unfortunate when you're really strong and your technique is kind of on the lower end because then that strength kind of overtakes it and you don't get to bump that technique as much as you would like to up. And I think that that year, uh, that, especially at first year post-collegiately, that really forces you because you're not in the weight room as much. You can't focus on being strong as much. You really have to hone in on, okay, I have half an hour and I have my throwing shoes. I can't get to the rings, but I can do drills for 30 minutes, that kind of stuff. I think that that was a really big game changer for me. I mean, even now I just do drills in my garage, you know, things that I want to try out on my current athletes and uh, stuff like that. And I think that becoming 
just that next level of a student of your sport and kind of realizing what it's like when you don't have those resources that are right there day in and day out, that will teach you a lot about yourself and let you find out if you actually do want to throw. And I've known several people that have kind of taken a step back from throwing. I had to take a step back a little bit uh, when I got back from Fresno before you kind of have to take a step forward. Um, I know that it's hard. I mean, you know, you're lifting at, you know, 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night. You're throwing at weird hours. I mean, for a while I had a storage unit and I put a net up in the corner and I was in there, you know, throwing in a storage unit. That makes like, that's one of my, probably my favorite stories about being a post-collegiate thrower is I'd be like going to a storage unit to throw. And you know, my friends are like, Hey, let's go hang out. I'm like, I got to go to the storage unit. Like that makes no sense. But I think that one mistake that I made was not really securing uh, financially myself. You, know, you don't need a lot. You just need to be able to get by. So I think finding uh, a circumstance where you can make money, you can pay your bills. You're not worried about that. There's that flexibility there where if you need to walk away and go train somewhere else, you need to take a weekend off to go throw. That flexibility is there. I think that's a huge part of it because when you don't have that financial stress, a lot of other things will take care of themselves. Um, and just finding a coach, reaching out to coach. I don't know any coach that you couldn't contact and be like, hey, I'm working on this. You know, this is what I'm working with. And they're going to take five minutes and, and shoot you a message or give you a call. Uh, and just utilizing those resources and finding a coach can be hard, especially in certain areas. A lot of coaches are busy, you know, especially if you're not that high end athlete coming out, you're not a Valerie Allman or a Brooke Anderson. And, you know, I, it's hard because you're just like kind of under that level, under that threshold there, you know. And um, but I think just just the try and the learning process is substantial to uh, creating yourself as a human and as a thrower, because I'm in the long term, you know, I'm not going to be throwing in 10 years, I'm, you know, but I, I will definitely be coaching. So the things I'm learning now, I will definitely be able to take into that 10 years. So I just kind of take it as an investment right now into my future coaching career. If that kind of makes sense. No, it does make sense. So so you're so you're coaching now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I coach at the high school level. Uh, I'm the director of sports performance at Pursuit Nutrition and Training in Windsor, Colorado. So I work with a lot of high school level athletes, uh, and then I, I do co coaching on the side. So uh, I, I work a lot in the weight room, but it was just fun because I can kind of mix the weight room side because I do feel like that's one thing. If I could have gotten involved with that a little bit sooner, uh, who knows kind of where I'd been. I was a big reason I got into strength and conditioning because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. So I dove into it, and then that obviously turned into my career. So uh, you know, that that's that's a pretty cool thing to come about from that. But uh, yeah, working with high schoolers is fun because it kind of uh, <laughs> it teaches you to simplify things. It definitely is a challenge. Uh, they have a very, very short attention span, but it's a lot of fun. It's very challenging. It really forces you to fall back on technique and fall back on corrections and get creative. And I mean, the, there's just crazy thing. I mean, my coach used to stand in front of me during shot play. I don't know why she did that. I don't know how she didn't lose all her teeth, but you know, you just got to get creative at some point. You're like, all right, you're, you're throwing flat. How am I going to convince you to throw flat? Just not throw flat. You know, like, oh, I'm going to stand in front of you. Like you just have to get really creative with that stuff, but it's fun too. <laughs> so your high school kids, do they um, like your success as a, as a thrower at the collegiate and post-collegiate level? Is there a little bit of street cred where they're like, okay, coach is kind of like thrown far. So I should kind of listen to her or is it like, you know, like they, they, they give they a crap half the time, honestly. Uh, uh, <laughs> but they are scared of me, which I mean, you know, my my dad was a ranger, so growing up it was very very strict. And just coming from a collegiate strength background, I don't I don't take a lot of flack because I worked with football, so got to keep them in line. It was like herding chickens half the time. But uh, no, I think that I think that just uh, them seeing me out there doing the turns and 
and being interactive and them just seeing my passion for it. I think that's the part that they take to the most because uh, they know that I'm not just out there for fun. I'm not just out there for the sunshine, you know, as much as I love throwing in the 10 degree weather in Colorado in the winter, you know, they, I think that they, they can see that, that throwing is something that I get very analytical about something that really fires me up and uh, they take away from that. And I do care about them as people. And I just, I know that throwing can, can not only develop them physically, but mentally too. And it's that place where whatever's going on in their lives, you know, they can just come there for an hour and just have somebody that cares about them and their success. And, you know, whatever that may be, whether it's, you know, a 28 foot shopper or going to a 29 foot, I mean, just as pumped about that as my, you know, 45 foot shot putter going to 46. I mean that, and I think that, you know, some of these kids put so much pressure on themselves to be that, that high level athlete and just be there. And so they don't understand that that process is there, but you know, I was there, especially coming into track and field as late as I did. Uh, you know, I, I didn't really feel that pressure. I didn't feel that burnout that all my, I, my other athletes in high school felt they were all done, ready to be done with athletics and I was just getting started. So I think that kind of nurturing that and making sure that those athletes maintain that passion moving on. I think that that's, that's important to me. So I think that they can see that and thrive off of that. So when, so you started coaching uh, this fall, like with the high school kids or is that, so yep. is there, so what's something that, you know, today that you're like, man, I wish I would have known this in September or like known before I started working with high school kids that <laughs> like anything, any like particular, like aha moment. Like, I know you mentioned like you got to break things down and make it a little bit, you know, simpler for them. Mm -hmm. anything that like that's happened that's like man like I wish I would have done this in September as opposed to you know doing that yeah you know um with high school kids just developing that base is the hardest part I think that um a lot of people overthink you know like well I want to get them strong I want to get them this it's like well when you're in season it's too late you can't get them strong uh so but you also in September you can't really get a lot of time with those kids and so one thing I definitely found especially when it comes to core workouts is even me watering a core workout down, it's still too much for them. And that was something I definitely learned the hard way. I have kids that could hardly come and uh, come to practice and get warmed up because they were so sore. I'm like, well, I don't understand. Like this was like an eighth of what I would do in college, but then you just don't realize like how much you are, you're using your core when you're working out four to five hours a day. So um, that was definitely something uh, that I kind of had to check myself on a little bit there. Um, Another thing with those guys is they don't they don't do it unless you're watching them. <laughs> you know, I kind of I had the mindset of like, OK, I'm going to get them this warm up. And then while they're warming up, I'm going to get, you know, these drills and this implement, these implements set up. But I look over and they've got their, you know, their sweaters over their head and they're being turtles. And I'm like, what is happening right now? So it's just I definitely had to develop a little bit more um, of a sense of what I was doing, how I was doing it, breaking it down as much as possible, as little as they had to think of a better kind of thing. Because if you do get too technical too soon, they just they they get they get they get gun shy. They don't like it. They don't like that you're throwing these terms at them and, you know, they, they don't like that. And so that's a big thing I really had to, again, had to check myself on is just how can I make this fun but simple and, you know, make it something that's applicable to them that they understand, but it's also going to transfer if they continue on. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, Coach Mel told me this, you know, four years ago. And, and this makes sense now, you know, kind of in the same sense as when I went to Fresno. I was like, okay, now that makes sense. So working on that build and, and teaching them about this work. I'm very, especially in the weight room, I'm very big on, I'm not going to just give you a workout. I want you to know why you're doing it, how you're doing it, um, what kind of aggressiveness you're using towards it. Uh, how it's applying to your sport, you know, as if I could put five pounds on the bar, 
but you pop a vertebrae and obviously I just wrecked you as an athlete and I've failed at my job. It's the same thing. It's like, okay, I can make you throw further, but now you hate the sport and you don't want to show up to practice. I, you know, that's, that's a big thing I have to check myself on a lot. I think every coach has to kind of do that sometimes. So. Well, I have the same thing with so as coach at the division three level. So mm-hmm. here, um, it's the first year I've had five, all five freshmen athletes, uh, throwers, um, and they're all starting from scratch. So in in New York State, we don't we just started throwing the weight like four years ago. Yeah. Uh, for the kids that had a coach, it's like oh my gosh, like they throw like Highland Game style weights. So kind of you're kind of starting over from scratch again. <gasps> and then I have kids uh, from uh, from PA that have never they, they don't know what a weight is and stuff. So so definitely like I could see that even at the college level. But I mean they're both they're all 18, 19 years old. So they're yeah. they're they're throwing age is still relatively young, but um. Yeah. You know, so out of curiosity, so so 2020, like 18 months away, let's say. So when was the last time you yeah, threw like 500 days or something I saw the other day? It's getting close. Just out of curiosity, you don't have to go into too much detail, but when was the last time you took a throw of anything, like seriously? Uh, well, right now we're doing, it's literally labeled it uh, snowpocalypse, so there's like an insane amount of snow on the ground. Uh, no, I... Uh, I, I was I, I got back into it. Uh, Rachel Denkoff definitely has been uh, pushing me to get back into it full time. Uh, in January, I definitely kind of started pursuing it a little bit more. I took a small hiatus. Uh, USA Weightlifting picked me up as in their athlete transition program, so I took about six months to kind of. That was kind of like my little break. I was talking there. I kind of worked with them. Uh, worked with an incredible coach uh, named Matt Cooper. Uh, and yeah, so strength wise, I got a lot stronger in ways that I didn't know that I could. Uh, you know, I started catching my cleans in the bottom and I, a lot of overhead movements. I got a lot stronger. I got more technical. Um, and then, you know, I had taken eight months off of any kind of hammer turn. And then I went to a meet in December just for just for fun. Uh, my friend out at University of Colorado, Colorado Springs, they have a brand new facility. He's like, oh, just just come throw whatever, you know. I was like, okay, you know, through a 2089, and I was like, after eight months off, okay, obviously my strength is still there, uh, and that kind of clicked the wheels a little bit for me, turn in, so I, I kind of decided to get back on a discus at that point, so we'll kind of see, um, definitely, uh, you know, Casey Maloney said, just, just, it's a long man's game, so just got to focus on that long term, and go from there, and you know, 2020 would be awesome. I think that um, if I could aim to get to the trials, that would be the first step. Uh, just get that experience under my belt. Uh, but I think 2024 is kind of going to be more more my style, more my jam. So that's kind of what I'm working for right now. Just kind of work on the technique and the build and enjoy the process and just fall in love with my sport again. Uh, kind of, you know, just had a kind of a turbulent, crazy senior year, um, had some differences with my coaching staff and that just kind of ruined the sport a little bit for me. So I was just kind of trying to get through it at that point. And that made it hard going into post-collegiate because I, I was kind of confused as to why I was still throwing. You know, I loved it, obviously, and I was good at it, but I lost that waking up every morning like I want to go train I need to go train I have to go train and so now I'm kind of getting back to that and that's I think that's a crucial step and especially if you're going to go post-collegiate if you don't have that that want that fire then it's why are you even doing it kind of thing so So tell me a little bit about that quickly I don't want to keep you too long here uh but um so you 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 were in the USA weightlifting like the transition program so did you want to go into like a little bit of detail like about like what's what was that all like about? Yeah, so it was like the weirdest thing. Um, it was actually right after I decided to kind of put a pause on throwing. Um, it was last June, end of June. They got to hold me. They're like, hey, we want to put you through a trial. Um, you know, you hit these marks. We would we'd be really excited to see what you could do with a few months of training. Uh, you know, so I went through a week long uh, uh, trial period for that. 
uh, did some testing, uh, kind of blew my marks, marks out of the water that I needed to attain. And, you know, I hadn't done a legitimate snatch in, in a, quite a while. And so it was just kind of crazy process going into that. Uh, and then in July, they were like, all right, well, you meet all our standards. So we're going to we're going to pay for your training. We're going to send you some shoes, a sweet belt. Um, you know, we're going to support you any way we can. Uh, so I trained with I trained with Matt for a few months and then I opened up and I missed the American Open by two kilos. And <laughs> I was like I was so frustrated because it's two kilos. It's not even five pounds. And watching the video on the lift that would have that would have got me there. It was just like so slight. And it was just one of those things where we went up, right up to the wire. We had like a week and a half to register for the open and we we're like do, what do we do do we try to go again next weekend um and so that was an interesting process but I was also like all right this is my first time in the sport <laughs> and here I am barely barely missing nationals you know something that people train all their lives for and I think I was like I was I'm thinking I'm ranked like 12th in the country in my weight class and so that was kind of a hard part because I was I was like in between where you know I was like it was like they changed the weight classes do I go down do I go you know do I gain weight I didn't want to do that that was obviously gonna hurt throwing if I ever got back into it if I go down is the house that's gonna affect my strength levels because that's kind of a hit or miss thing and so that was that was an interesting process it was fun it was great uh getting to work with a coach in a sport that I didn't know a ton about uh was super fun it was just it kind of just like revitalized my energy as an athlete and kind of uh made me focus up on a lot of things that I didn't didn't realize I was being so sloppy with and and also made me a better coach in the weight room because I now have a completely different toolbox I didn't have before so that was awesome and now I have an amazing resource and an amazing friend Matt so uh, that yeah that was a crazy process I made a lot of friends along the way a lot of a lot of people that were uh you know previous throwers that are now doing you know Mackenzie Warren's uh, was in the program as well um I know Christina McDonald was in the program for a little bit and then she decided to continue throwing out Boston so uh yeah I just kind of made a lot of connections and that in turn helped me with throwing wise as well just I mean a strength wise and b like making all these connections and networking is just kind of opened my eyes and a lot of, you know, new doors for me to a new realm and, you know, not only as a, a professional, but as an athlete. So would you try in 2020 to, to hit the qualifier in, in Olympic weightlifting and throwing? I don't know. I'm still training, uh, for, uh, only weightlifting, not as serious as I used to, but, uh, definitely still kind of there. Um, that's one of those things where, I, it just, it was, it was destroying my body. My body was falling apart. And I think that I definitely could get there. It just at what cost my body was kind of that. Cause I just, it made throwing so hard. It made doing drills hard and my central nervous system was just constantly shot. And so I think that would be a very delicate balance between, you know, how do we train both? And I think that especially being, you know, as you know, having a full-time job and, and running around with clients and, you know, athletes and everything, I think that, I just kind of needed to focus up and I was just kind of trying to have my hand in too many pots. And at some point, and that's, that was my big problem in college too, you know, I was in all these different events and, you know, had I just specialized in one or two, like who knows what those could have been. Uh, but I mean, just kind of, that was another thing I kind of took away from Fresno too. So I think, I think we'll see, maybe I don't, I don't want to completely rule it out just yet. Cause I do have a lot of fun with it, but we'll see whatever happens happens. <laughs> Well, on that note, then I appreciate your time. Thanks for you know taking the time out. I forgot all about the uh, the uh, you're a couple hours behind, right? So you're in Colorado. Yeah, it's like seven or eight here, something like that. Sure. Yeah. It's like, wow, it's only like quarter to ten out here, so it's well. <laughs> but uh, is there anything else you want to share? Anything like I didn't ask that you're like you know wanting to get out, or you know maybe we'll save it for the next one. <sighs> yeah, no, I just appreciate you taking the time to kind of talk to me. Sorry, I kind of rambled there a lot. <laughs> okay, <laughs> no. 
Cool. It's weird putting it all in perspective sometimes when you sit back and look at it. Um, no, I just think, I think it's awesome. Just kind of, you know, I was, I was listening and watching a couple of your other, the other two podcasts that you've done. It's kind of cool just to watch the stories and, and kind of the motivation because you just never know when, you know, someone's going to watch that or hear just the right part of it that then be like, oh, it's, you know, this is, this is what I'm clinging to. This is what I'm moving forward with. Um, no, I think, um, Really, the only thing I have to add to what we talked about is uh, the one big game changer for myself and one thing that I really push with my athletes is the sports psychology behind things. Um, and I think that that's a huge game changer. I spoke with one of my good friends, Madison McLaughlin. She was the Division II outdoor shot put champion um, in 2016. Hell of an athlete. Uh, and just incredible athlete. I mean, she just moves so well. Uh, she's kind of something you look at and you're like, her and then you see her move and you're like well that is just a raw athlete and she you know she sat down with me one time I was having this was when I was kind of having some issues with my coaching staff she sat me down and she's like no you got to focus on your visualization you got to focus on seeing the situation and imagining yourself responding positively positively to that and just moving forward with that and you know she gave me all these books and all these exercises and things and I took 10 minutes a day and just just visualizing uh, all these things and kind of putting things into perspective she's like you know Mel I was never the athlete that trained hours and hours a day. I would show up. I had six other people at my practice. We'd, we'd train for an hour. I'd go to the weight room, maybe train for an hour. Okay, then I'd go home. I'd do, you know, whatever. And she's like, and I won a national championship. She's like, but I can tell you the difference between the other athletes and myself is that my mind was there. She's like, I never walked into a meet thinking that I couldn't win. She's like, I didn't care if I was seated six. I didn't walk in thinking, oh, I might win. I walked in, I'm going to win. And I think that was huge. I, I mentioned the, the book Mind Gym, and I have, I literally order, I order copies and copies and copies of that book because I'm just constantly handing it out to athletes. <clears throat> and I just, I think it's, it's critical. I, I love the, the idea of, of just harnessing your mind and putting it forward. You know, I think Sean Donnelly has a lot of good insight into those things. Um, you know, Christina McDonald is really phenomenal with those things, just sitting down in self-evaluation. Uh, you know, there's a time, you know, especially in throwing when I was, I was still out in Fresno, I was, I just kind of felt sorry for myself. I was like, ah, oh, man, I, I felt almost a little entitled. I was like, man, I was a good college athlete. Like I should have a coach. I should have a, you know, a great training place, this and that, da, da, da. And that shot me in a foot faster than anything. And that was a huge wake up. And when I, it was like, I, I was messaging Sean at one point, about something and I said I was like oh well you know thank you for helping me with my shit show today and he goes don't be dramatic and I was like I don't know what it was but that clicked for me and I was like oh my gosh you're right I'm just blowing everything out of the water and that just kind of forced me to push myself back and be like okay focus up like you know this everybody everybody has the same situation everybody has 24 hours in a day what what are you going to do with it kind of thing so I think that really taking a look at that, and, and as a coach as well, and that was, I was very fortunate when I was getting my master's while I was the assistant strength coach at Shadron because I looked at leadership and followership styles, and I got to look very wholeheartedly at the coach-athlete relationship and just how what I do as a coach affects my athlete, how those things are received, and how I respond and react to things uh, that is, that's critical in their development and my development. And so in turn, as an athlete, you know, knowing how it wasn't until I was coaching that I didn't realize how annoying it was when an athlete is walking away from you, even though I know I did it while I was still listening, like how frustrating that is as a coach when they're not stopping and giving me their attention. And I didn't even realize that until I was doing, you know, on both ends of it. But that's just, that comes down to the relationship part of it and the psychology behind it. And I just think that's a huge and critical part. If anybody's looking to up their game, um, just kind of harnessing that, 
that part of the game. I think it's going to be a huge game changer for him. So that's really all I have to say about that. Well, that's great. No, actually, you got me fired up now. I'm gonna, I can't. I don't want to keep you for like another hour or whatever because it's a, like a bulk of my research is fa- is focused on coach athlete relationships. Yeah, yeah. So uh, um, uh, our team that I that I work with out here in Rochester, we just submitted a, a research paper for publication that focused on that. So uh, I could talk to you off about that, but I don't want to this time. Just we'll, <laughs> we'll save it for the next time on the coach athlete relationships but uh mel i appreciate you taking the time to uh, hang out tonight absolutely yes thank you i really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you so thanks take care you too